It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you very much for being with me. My guest this morning is someone you've heard frequently on the air, and he's always stimulating and thoughtful, and we have fun, and that's Kerry Luft, and I think we'll have a fun show this morning. Kerry, thank you so much for joining me, and Kerry is the Executive Vice President of the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation. And Kerry, I like to say on a daily basis, you try to make the world better. Oh, thanks, Charlie. I appreciate it, and I'm glad to be here as always. <laughs> and you try to make the world better because one of the things you do with your long career in the world of journalism is you you don't th- take things at face value. So this morning's show, uh, we're going to talk about something in which there isn't a right or wrong answer, but I hope that all of you listening will, will form an opinion, or maybe you already have one, because it's about the future of of what we call fair chase. And this week in Arizona, they announced that in uh, beginning in 2022, there would be no more trail cameras allowed uh, when you're hunting. And in Cary, I think that's an interesting, interesting uh, thing for a state to do. And and I'm wondering, what do you think? Well, you know, there's a lot of reasons to be worried about it, Charlie, because. You know, in in Illinois, for example, uh, hunters use it for scouting, preseason scouting, postseason scouting. Um, you know, almost year round, and it's not just about locating the biggest buck on your property. For a lot of landowners, trail cameras are a way to manage their deer herd and understand how many does they might be able to harvest off their property in a given year. But Arizona is kind of a different case because, as you know, it's a desert state, and most of the hunting takes place at waterholes. So the Game and Fish Commission there thought that this would, uh, that the cameras would be uh, unfair advantage and could actually lead to conflict between humans at those waterholes. It's an incredibly, uh, to me, esoteric argument for somebody who lives in a state like Illinois, but Arizona is different. Um, and they're worried about uh hunters going out and checking the, their trail cams and disturbing the wildlife or perhaps disturbing wild livestock grazing there. And finally, and this is one that I've never even thought of, but I suppose it's possible, that these trail cams take pictures of people without their permission. So it is it is a really surprising development in my mind, but um, it was not even close at the Arizona Game Commission. They voted 5 nothing to land them. Well, I I remember Kerry when I was on the Illinois Conservation Board, and we voted eight to nothing to set a certain hunting regulation, and the then director of the Department of Natural Resources said that's fine, I'm I don't agree with you guys, <laughs> and he went and did something entirely different, even though his board had voted unanimously. Uh, yeah. So I think in the, I think in the case of uh, of Arizona, what I guess. For those of you listening, the, the big subject is is technology 
in hunting. And, Carrie, I want to stay with this for a second. As I said at the top of the show, there's, there's no right or wrong. I, I bet you, during, particularly during the fall, during the rut and everything, there isn't a day that doesn't go by when I don't get half a dozen text messages or videos from friends of mine and their trail cameras uh, photographing deer. And, and my yep. comment on, on, on trail cameras is it has made people so much more aware of what is in the outdoors. I have trail camera pictures of bobcats. There, there weren't supposed to be any bobcats in southern Illinois until we showed the DNR. Well, well if these aren't bobcats, then they're elephants, I guess, because, uh, because they're, they're there. And, you know, there were, bob, there were pictures of cougars in places where no one thought there were any cougars. Uh, right. it, it has engaged people and given, a pe- given lots and lots. We're not talking about a few. We're talking about tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of individuals a reason to, 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 to pay more attention to the outdoors, to go check their cameras. And it's el- added a whole element of fun if you, if you, and, and also knowledge. You're much more knowledgeable. So if we were to go on a national effort, which I don't think it's in the cards, but you never know. The, the, the anti-hunting fair chase, they could, they could claim that trail cameras mean that this is no longer fair chase. I would take the point of view it's making a better informed outdoorsman. Uh, what do you think? Well, you know, I, mean, I have never hunted Arizona. I've shot clays in Arizona, so I'm not, I don't, I don't think I have standing to say whether this is good or bad, but, I, uh, I will note that the uh, chair of the Game and Fish Commission in Arizona is on record as saying that he wouldn't favor this in other states. Now, this is spreading throughout the West. You know, Montana and Nevada already have prohibited the use of trail cams uh, during the fall, and Utah's considering it as well. So I think we're going to keep hearing more about this. The idea basically is um, because that the game is concentrated in one area, it gives it eliminates, almost eliminates the chance of an animal to escape detection. So uh, I think that it is indicative of problems we never thought we would have as we move further and further along with technology. Now we have all kinds of apps that can tell us uh, wind directions, where we are, mapping. Um, You know, this is not the hunting that I certainly started out doing, and uh, nor you. So I think we're going to have to be having questions about this going forward, and this is certainly not the end of it. It's just one of many debates we're going to have. In in our favorite uh, venue, you know, there's already people talking about, um, boy, these motion decoys for waterfowl have really gotten out of hand. I know I know duck clubs that have banned them um, for just that reason. So we are going to see this, I predict, for the rest of our lives as hunters more technology generating controversy. Well, let me ask you, flip it to something else, fishing. Yeah. Uh, When I grew up fishing with my father, who loved to fish, we didn't have fish finders. Uh, You know, we we learned where the fish were in the bodies of water, where we fished. There weren't any cameras. Uh, Is it fair chase, you know, to go out in Lake Michigan and put down these fish finders and shows you where all the schools of fish are? or to go in the Illinois River, or to go wherever. I mean, I, there was when those first came into being, and now they're so sophisticated, um, you know, there's a big question. That's not fishing. You, 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 you know, now it tells you where to go, and you just simply drop the hook. 
Um, right. I mean, I've fished in Alaska where when you're fishing halibut, they can tell you exactly where the halibut are. You know, take it down 300 feet. You know, it's it's amazing what what technology can do now. And yet, and, I was going to say, go ahead, Carrie. I'm sorry. Well, and I and I think you raise a great point, and I think we're going to be at. We cannot take this and do a sweeping condemnation. I mean, even in, in you know, I, I think it's not a problem to use trail cameras in Illinois whatsoever. Um, I'm sure there are people who disagree with me. Um, your your analogy to fishing, great point, but we've come to accept them. You know, so um, I think we're going to be having these sorts of conversations for quite some time to come, Charlie. Well, let's. We got a couple minutes left before we take a break. I, I'd like to take the point of view that they have enhanced the the experience. How many? I mean, we're trying to get people into the outdoors and engage in nature. How many people would be really excited about fishing if they didn't, you know, trolling up and down Lake Michigan? Uh, if they didn't have, you know, fish finders, sonar to show what's in the bottom of the lake. I think I think in the case of fishing, it has made it a lot more enjoyable. And I think in the case of hunting, you're still hunting. You still have to have the – take deer hunting, which is where most of the trail cameras are used. You, you still have to have the wind right. You, you still have to do all the right things or that, that, that buck or that, that bull elk uh, is not coming to where you saw it in your trail camera. Um, I, I really I, – I, think there are really serious questions about fair chase when it comes to waterfowl and the use of these of all the electronics and you know in 1918 we out we outlawed live decoys for waterfowl hunting had we had electronics in 1918 actually what we did was we outlawed all mechanized devices as decoys um i don't think obviously in 1918 nobody thought that we would have you know, spinning wing decoys and decoys that splashed and went five feet in the air and came back down, they would have outlawed it then. Um, yeah. the, the government is always, I don't care what it is, and we, and we deal with it every day in our lives with, with the Internet, the government is always way behind when it comes to regulation. And I think it's really up to, in this case, sportsmen and women, to, to set the tone. And I would, I would personally carry, and I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to be lit up with emails, <laughs> um, I would pers- I would personally love to see a ban on all electronic decoys for ducks. Um, it's made ducks much harder to hunt, uh, and and it's led to a I believe a vastly increased uh, harvest on young ducks, which are more vulnerable. You don't even need a duck call; just you know, put out. Used to be one spinning wing decoy, now put out a dozen because they one doesn't work anymore. Uh, but this this comes back to your whole question about fair chase and ethics. And, and technology. Um, so let's take a break, and when we come back, let's not talk about technology. Uh, let's talk about, about weather. How's that? Sounds good to me. We're visiting with Carrie Luff, Executive Vice President of the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN, and first a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland. In the field, hunters need to be alert, sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot 
for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. I'm visiting with Carrie Luff, the Executive Vice President of the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation. And Carrie, we were just freewheeling there. There's no right or wrong answer. I guess our whole discussion on fair chase and electronic decoys and motion decoys and electric calls and game cameras is really, as you said, it's a discussion that's going to go on for the rest of our lives. But what shouldn't be a discussion is if it compromises the notion of fair chase carry, don't, don't you think there we, we need to really draw the line? Because we're certainly going to get to some point sooner than later where we're going to have such, so many things mechanized hunting and fishing-wise that you're going to wonder, is it fair chase? What do you think? Well, I, uh, I, I surely hope we would uh, act if something uh, violated the spirit of fair chase. The problem, as I see it, Charlie, is uh, who defines fair chase? You know, obviously, I know people who won't hunt preserves for what, uh, you know, upland bird preserves because they feel that's not fair chase. Um, lots of people feel it is, you know, and I would be a hypocrite if I said I didn't think it was uh, uh, fair chase because I have participated at, in preserve hunting. Um, it's just these things are personal, they're emotional, and it's hard to define them. Uh, across the society. So I, it's going to be a long road before we get unanimity in the uh, outdoor community on what constitutes fair and what isn't. We never will. I guess fair, ultimately, it's like golf, Gary. You're judged by what you do. Yep. And um, what's fair to you is what you've decided is fair. And, and I think we, you know, we should leave it there. Um, but technology, as you pointed out, is changing so rapidly, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's making it more enjoyable for a lot of people, but it's also compromising skill other places. Well, let me, let me shift in the time we have left. You can't be awake and not realize we, we have an abnormal year across the western part of the United States and, and, and all the way through Canada with unbelievable record temperatures, 112 degrees uh, in, in areas of, of the, the breeding grounds uh, this past week and this coming week, no water. Uh, what are you hearing? We, we obviously don't have a uh, survey for the second year in a row, but um, does it, does it, should it give us pause that we're flying as though nothing has changed? Uh, I sure think so, Charlie, because, you know, it's happening here. Um, the, the window has been closed, but just recently we got a peak behind it. Uh, North Dakota did its spring survey of, of uh, wetlands and ducks, and their numbers are just horrific. You know, they're way off. Um, pond counts are down 87%, 80% from a year ago. 
67% below the long-term average. Duck numbers are down 27% overall. Mallards down almost 50% from the previous year and at a, haven't been this low in North Dakota in 20 years. Now, that's just a snapshot of a very small part of the prairie pothole region, but we could probably extrapolate that it's not much better anywhere else. And the problem, Charlie, as you well know, is that the Fish and Wildlife Service has already set the, uh, the decisions about whether we'll have uh, liberal limits this year for water pots. So you're going to have a combination of likely a very small uh, recruitment class of, of young ducks, uh, fewer ducks overall, and high limits in Illinois. That usually means six ducks, four of which can be mallards. And um, we're kind of flying blind. We, we uh, can extrapolate. I, don't, I haven't talked to a single waterfowl manager or scientist who thinks that this is going to be a good year, uh, yet we're going to be having uh, liberal limits this fall. Well, it, it begs the question of what happens next year. And, and Terry, next year is a long way away. However, if we had a survey as we've had every year except for last year and this year since 1955, and based on the regulations the Canadian Wildlife Service and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service have put in play, and numbers across the prairies were what they are in North Dakota, the service would be forced to make radical changes to the season lengths and bag limits. So I think for the sake of our conversation now is it's a long way off, but don't be surprised, folks, if a year from now, because of the way the laws are written, uh, because of the way the laws are written, a year from now, if we don't wake up and find that this traditionally long season we've had in limits for the last 30 years is not going to happen. Terry, you've got about 30 seconds left. I have to ask you sort of one last question very quickly. It came across my desk that the, the Fish and Wildlife Service is considering pulling back on the requirement to have hunting in a duck stamp. A hunting scene, you've got 10 seconds. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Hooray, because we need everybody to buy duck stamps, not just duck hunters. And that old proposal, I believe, turned off a lot of people who might be open to wetland conservation but aren't uh, hunters. So I'm glad they're doing it. Well, we'll talk more about it. Kerry, thank you so much for being with us. Kerry Luft, Executive Vice President of the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation. This is Charlie Potter signing off as the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.